Yearbook Sportscast. It's not going to get any better. It was more than a week ago already, so you might have forgotten about it. More than a week ago already. But what was going on in the Broncos-Jets Thursday night game last week? The first thing is, it was a Jets home game. And was it me? I'm serious about this. It really could have been me. I'm your host, Doug. Was it me? Or was the fake crowd noise pulling for both the Jets and the Broncos? It sounded like there was just as much cheering when the Broncos did something good. Was the canned studio audience simulating a stadium half full of -of out-of-town visiting Broncos fans? Week four at a Jets home game is a little too early to assume that. Then... The Broncos had a nine-point lead, so a two-possession game, and the ball, and there were only 13 seconds left. It was fourth down, but 13 seconds was way too long to just have Denver quarterback Brett Rippon run around and run the clock out or throw the ball straight up in the air and run the clock out. If there's just a few seconds left, that works. The quarterback literally just throws the ball straight up in the air, and by the time it comes down and hits the ground, the clock is run out. But there's way too much time for that, so we were stumped. Why was Rippon... And the Broncos' offense on the field for fourth down. It turns out the Broncos' coaching staff was also stumped. Denver ran two long pass plays that not only didn't run the clock out, both plays ended with Rippon getting pounded by Jets' pass rushers. What were they doing? Didn't they see that graphic? The Broncos ran two plays that mathematically could not possibly have worked and exposed Rippon, a possible future boy at quarterback, to consecutive big hits. So even though they won, and we were ready if they lost, but even though they won, we can still say, oh, the Denver Broncos, the Minnesota Twins, lost in the first round of the playoffs again, and they have the 18th biggest payroll in baseball, which puts them into the bottom half of baseball payrolls this year. The 2020 Twins spent just over $55 million on players, almost exactly $54 million less than the Yankees, for example. So roughly half of what the Yankees spent for payroll. But this isn't about baseball's economic problems. And stop me, or stop this podcast, or fast forward the podcast. Can you even do that? Can you fast forward? If Just do something if you already know where this is going. The 1991 World Series was the last time Minnesota won a playoff series. But buried underneath that stat is the Twins haven't won a single playoff game since 2004. Since 2004, Minnesota has been to the postseason six times, and they've been swept every single time, including this year. They've lost 18 straight playoff games. And buried under all of those stats is the fact that there is no explanation. Big market versus small market, high revenue versus low revenue. This still shouldn't be happening. This is baseball, where if a vaunted pitcher takes the mound and goes out and just has an off night, his team's down 6-0 after two innings, and the game's pretty much over. Minnesota should have won at least one game that way. Pounce on the Yankees. The Yankees basically concede game one, and the Twins win. Even being completely uncompetitive, i.e. an annual playoff imposter, an expansion team in the playoffs, still would not explain 18 consecutive losses. Please see previous pitcher bad night scenario. And the Twins are the opposite. 
of playoff imposters. During this streak, Minnesota's been pretty good. They've been generally very highly regarded, a team capable of even winning the World Series. Over these last six playoff appearances, four of those seasons, Minnesota was really good. They won 90 games twice. That's good, if you don't know. They won 101 games last year. That's really good. And they were one of the five best teams in all of baseball this year. This has been explained away by Yankees. The Yankees are the ones who've swept the Twins four out of those six years. But this is not Clemson, Virginia. Clemson and Virginia began playing football against each other in 1955. And every year, year after year, no matter what the circumstances, Virginia always lost. The Cavaliers lost to Clemson 29 straight times. 29 consecutive years of waking up on game day and saying, is this the year? Just think about that. Every year you get up on game day and say, is this it? This has got to be it right after 22 consecutive losses. This has got to be the year. Even just saying it right now, 29 consecutive times takes a long time. 29 straight years of is this the year? I had my lucky breakfast this year. I think this time is really going to be lucky. I think we finally have them this year. Clemson's down this year. This has to be the year, right? Blowouts. Close games. Virginia lost Every time until the Cavaliers finally famously broke through in 1990. But those games were one-offs. Virginia had exactly one chance every year. And a streak like that still seemed unlikely. Except for one baseball season, the Twins had chances to win over multiple games. And like Virginia, there were chances. Back in 2006, the Twins came within a run of winning game one, which literally would have ended this streak before it started. In 2009, Minnesota led by two runs after eight innings and still could have won an extra innings. They lost. Minnesota led a 2010 playoff game, 3-0 after five innings, and another game, 1-0 after three. Uh, in game one with the Astros this year, the Twins had a 1-0 lead after six innings. Now, obviously, you said this several minutes ago, some of this has got to be psychological. In general, players like to talk about how a losing streak is not theirs. They weren't around for most of it or all of it. But there's undeniably pressure, even if you join an existing losing streak in progress. Even so, though, Minnesota's uh, since Minnesota's last playoff, when the players are all different, the managers are all different, baseball itself is all different, and none of it has made any difference. The Twins are just doing the statistically nearly impossible in a bad way. Even in all of baseball's regular seasons ever, all the bad teams, all the lovable losers, all the forgettable losers, all the terrible teams, all the streaks, who's hot, who's hot, who's not. Over all the years, all those streaks in baseball history, only 14 other teams ever have lost 18 straight under any circumstances. And then there's this. Be honest. Did you even know about this colossal losing streak? The Twins are setting a North American record, but they're seemingly setting a North American record as quietly as they possibly can. Even the Twins manager told Sports Illustrated Stephanie Epstein he didn't know about all the losses, the losing streak, until he got to Minnesota for the 2019 season. P.S. That scenario where a pitcher goes out and just has an off night and his team is down 6 nothing after two innings and they lose, that's why I generally oppose 
baseball's one-game first-round playoff series, which they would have normally under non-COVID circumstances. Although you could argue baseball has a history of one-game playoffs that were very exciting. So even if we really should have that one-game series, it just feels really, really weird. That is. I think that is. That is Meghan Markle. Of course, she was in everything uh, before all this, but that is Meghan Markle, I think, in a light beer, a Miller light beer commercial. It was from like 10 years ago. It was a skinny jeans commercial, a guy to bar of skinny jeans, and in the end, he winds up going, hey, hey. that's the truth. I can't do it justice. Look it up. But I believe that is Mrs. August 4th herself uh, in that commercial. Uh, the anger. Focus. Focus. The anger over the Packers not drafting a wide receiver in this year's, well, draft. The anger over that was actually really surprising. I mean that. I'm not talking about Packers fans. It was observers, writers, and NFL analysts, people who do this for a living. And they were just visibly, bitterly angry that Green Bay did not take a receiver. Obviously, over the years at NFL drafts, there's been a lot of yelling about various selections and a lot of not subtle, what were they thinking comments about various teams and the Jets. But this time, it just, it seemed like rage over the Packers not drafting any help for quarterback Aaron Rodgers. It was just so weird. Uh, This followed everyone agreeing that one of the Packers' top needs, if not the top need, was a receiver, and everyone agreeing that 2020 was an incredibly deep year for wideouts with so many excellent ones coming out of college. The first point looked true. The Packers have only one star pass catcher, Devontae Adams. The second point, no one seemed interested in seeing if it actually turns out to be true. 2020 could turn out to be the year of future Hall of Fame receivers, or it could be ripe for a montage of draft busts that's played at the 2027 NFL draft. We don't know nothing yet. And we don't know nothing yet about the Packers receiver situation, even after the Monday night game when the Green Bay tight end with the mildly Star Wars-like name, Robert Tanyan, was unstoppable and scored three touchdowns. Tanyan was actually discovered during Hard Knocks last year when the series was about the Raiders. Obsessive-compulsive viewers saw the Packers versus Raiders episode in that series and thought, who the hell is Tanyan? Anyway, we don't know how this receiver thing ends, but in the offseason, people were taking the Packers draft class personally. With all the bitterness, it just seems like pundits and journalists really took this as a personal affront. <laughs> 